Hey guys, welcome back to Read This Instead podcast. Um, I'm Sarah Jean and this is my co-host. I'm Kelly. And we're back again today with an episode that um, Kelly has kind of honestly gets the credit for. I made an amazing outline on kind of uh, mostly talking about secret history, a little bit of dark academia, a little bit about um, the subgenres of that. Uh, but before we get into it, what's your highs and lows? We haven't caught up in person in a while, so I'm excited to hear about what you've been up to. I'm going to start with my low because it's a pretty low low. I Today I'm feeling better. I was sick for like 10, uh, it's more than, I was probably sick for like two weeks. It was awful. Oh. What is today? I woke up on about, well, I guess it wasn't really, I guess it wasn't really two weeks, but it was like a long time. I woke up on Valentine's Day with the worst sore throat I've had in a long time. And at mm. work, we have like a free employee clinic. And I went in and the lady was like a little bit rude, which is fine. She's always like a little bit rude. I'm really sure she'll never listen to this podcast, so it's fine. And um, she was like, well, you're negative for strep and COVID. So, and I was like, okay, like, no worries. She's like, just see if it resolves. Like totally week went on, just felt worse and worse. And then by Friday night, I had just like awful sinus pressure everywhere. And I was like, okay, so it's just like a sinus infection. And I'd actually gone to Huntsville for my niece's birthday, first birthday. And I was like, I just got, I just got to get through this. And then I can go home and like, I'll figure out what to do next. Felt so sick and nauseated that night and the next morning at the party, I felt like a zombie. Like I just felt so nauseous. And like, I was starting to like, I had taken some decongestants, which was good for the sinus infection, but having like a lot more drainage and stuff. And I just felt like death. And so I went to a clinic and um, they were very sweet, they, but they were just like walked in there like, oh, you think you have a sinus infection? I was like, yeah. And they didn't like even like touch you. They were like, cool, we'll just prescribe you like antibiotics and steroids or whatever. <clears throat> So somehow didn't want to get anyone sick. So I just drove straight home after that, after I got my stuff, somehow made it home. Don't know how I didn't die on the drive home. I was so nauseated and so sick. Went home, did nothing all weekend, felt so crappy Monday and Tuesday at work, Tuesday at work, threw up. I was in a meeting. Um, and I think part of it maybe is like, I was nauseated before I started taking the Augmentin, but maybe it made me more nauseated. I'm not sure. But I was sitting in a meeting um, and it was like halfway through. And all of a sudden I was like, I, I'm going to throw up. Like, I'm, I'm going to throw up. So I like ran out. Oh, it was really embarrassing. Oh gosh, I'm so sorry. It's okay. Right. I made it to the bathroom on time and I texted my manager and I was like, I'm so sorry. I, I can't come back to that meeting. I just threw up. And she's like, no worries. It's okay. So I went back down to the floor where I work on and got like things like finished in the next couple hours and, um, tried to leave somewhere close to being on time. Um, but then, and this next part bleeds into my high. Well, okay. My high and my lower interchange because my high was that, um, my roommate and I went to New York city, which was amazing. Um, we flew out Wednesday morning and we came back Thursday night. So we were there for one night. It was incredible. Um, such a good time. Um, but I, I felt like a lame travel companion cause I really was just like so sick. And this whole week I couldn't really, I wasn't really you know, like eating a lot. So I was kind of lame about going out places to eat. Um, definitely like dry heaved on a bus stop and in the airport, like it was that was rough. But New York City itself was amazing. Were, was did okay. you guys go to a show? We did. We went yeah, to what did you what did you see? Saw Phantom of the Opera. Mm. It was good. Mm, I 
I'm so jealous. Kelly, we need to go see it together. Hey, oh, actually, I want to. You know, we can look at tickets if you want to go together to see it in New York or wherever else it's playing. I'll go with you. I do. Okay, I'll look into that tonight because, but we need to plan it soon because, you know, this is the last, like, they're they're going to be done with Phantom after this. Like, there's no more Phantom oh, ever. Oh, I, I was really hoping that was fake news. Unless it's like the American Girl dolls where they say they retired them. <laughs> oh my gosh, no, they probably are. Okay, Tarkina is purring directly into the mic, so oh. I have no idea what that's gonna sound like. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, maybe it will be like that. Where they'll, they'll do like limited edi- or like the Disney Vault. You know, yes. they'll do like limited editions of Phantom and charge a bajillion bucks for it because yes. I like it. Just makes no financial sense to retire it. Like, no. I'm sure people will always go see Phantom. It was packed. Like, it was why is Cats still Cats is still running and not Phantom? Like, oh my gosh, it's so <laughs> it's so associated with Broadway. People um, will always go to see it. I mean, why not? Yeah, yeah I agree. It's the it's like the it's best like, one out there. Why are we canceling that just to have like another musical based off a '90s rom com? Yeah, or another Dear Evan Hansen. Like, I don't want that. Who wants yeah. That? Like, do we really need Mean Mean Girls the musical? No, we don't. <laughs> no, we need more. Legally Blonde. These are all real. Dysfunctional. Legally Blonde the musical. Illegal love stories with dysfunctional, yeah. problematic lead roles like the Phantom, obviously. <laughs> um, but it was um, really cool because this was the first. Um, time that like um a, a black person played christine which was really cool that oh that is really cool it was really awesome yeah so that's that a, that's like, awesome i know but yeah i agree like legally wait legally blonde is a music is a broadway musical sarah yes and no. why what's next how to lose a guy in 10 days musical like no literally sarah like literally <laughs> I just could not care less about it. I want more. Like, I know. Like, I know. Well, and the thing is, most things that things that were a, um, things that were a movie and then became a musical, like always suck. The oh, wedding singer. The musical is one. Um, the songs just feel like so shoehorned in, and they so in a good musical, in my opinion, the songs advance the plot. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But in in a story that was already told in a movie format, um, it's like the songs are just added to that and they they grind the action to a halt. Yeah. Does that make sense? Very much so. But anyway, um, so for my high and low, um, I've, I had something that was perfect and I can't remember what it was. But, oh, yes. Um, so for a low... Um, it's kind of a mixed low. Um, but one of the, as I mentioned before, surprisingly high number of theater organizations in Jackson yes. is putting on a Midsummer Night's Dream. Of course it and is. <laughs> because of course it is. Um, and the the low in that is that I just don't have time to be a part of it. But I really wish I could. <laughs> I really wish I could. Oh, that'd be so cool um, that. Oh my gosh, I wish you could. Yeah, like, so many people that I know are in it. Um, 
And like the characters in If We Were Villains, I would love to be in a Shakespeare play. <laughs> Um, we'll get so to much that. To about that book, by the way. Oh yeah, this is this might have to be. We might have to cut this into two parts. We'll <laughs> see. <laughs> um, but anyways, I um, I'm like living vi- living super vicariously through everyone that I know who's in it, and um, it's gonna be so cool because it's gonna be at a coffee shop. Oh, um, which turntable where you've been? Um, yeah. and they're gonna. I'm not sure exactly exactly how this is going to work but they're going to have it where um i think like the the fairies or the actors in the play within a play or someone someone is going to be like dressed as baristas and they're going to be like serving coffee while they're in the play or like some kind of interesting crazy thing um so you know i think their first idea was to like go by the side of the lake at night in october and have like actresses coming out of the water of the lake <laughs> well, like and if we were villains <laughs> yeah um, but you know i guess this side of the coffee shop would be easier to do um do you remember that i do yeah it was really um fun. it was interesting we'll get to it I have thoughts about that, but um, I'm mixing up the secret history and if we were villains in my brain, which makes sense because it's a oh well. I just read if we were villains, so we'll separate it all out. I still have Um, something, but yeah. But anyway, um, it's yeah because long long ago before COVID, there was um, the Midsummer Night's Dream that was but a dream before COVID. (laughs) So it was, it, there was, I've always referred to it as the Midsummer Night's Dream that Twas But a Dream, um, which I did audition for, um, and I was going to be in, because um, this is before I worked nights and stuff, but um, it was, like, complicated because it was, like, there were, like, too many, there were kind of too many cooks in the kitchen, essentially, trying to make it happen, and they didn't really have a location, and it was chaotic, um, and they did auditions, like, in March or something like that, but they weren't going to start rehearsals until June. Oh, so of course in between, yeah, in between March and June, a bunch of people like their plans changed and they couldn't be in it. And it kind of fell apart and never happened is mm. the point. So that's a perfect segue into our topic today. Wait, you forgot about our random question. Oh my gosh. I did forget about the random question. The random question is on a scale of one to 10, how much do you love Penn Badgley? Um, 11. <laughs> so sweet. Okay, okay. This is, what is the strangest coincidence that has ever happened to you? I have a story. Um, this story will be well known to, probably Kelly knows this story very well, and I'm sure other people do as well. Um, well, probably not that many. But when I was, mm, I was probably like a sophomore in college. Uh, long story short, basically, um, someone stole my laptop. Um, and the last time I remembered seeing it, I was sitting in the a room in the liberal arts building and this guy came in with a poncho with a Keurig machine under it. And, um, Oh, I forgot about this. And he was being very sweet. And I asked him, will you watch my bag? I'll go to the bathroom. And I came back and I was like, that's the last time I've ever seen my laptop. And I was like, huh. And then I was hanging out in like the bowels of the liberal arts building, which is like, we're all like, Oh, being like psychiatry grad students like hang out and they're very like apathetic like clearly they're like i know that's the thing was, today we're going to talk about dark academia and we were both humanities majors 
or liberal arts majors, I'm here to tell you all these like hot people going around in swirling capes. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> not realistic. Speaking of capes, why is it when the guy from the opera swirls his cape off in the play that it's so hot? I'm telling you, I'm just, I'm, it's, I, I love a cape, man. I'm not I, even, I'm not even, don't even, I'm not even the Phantom fangirl. I'm there for Rel. But when he swirls the cape off, I'm like, oh my It's God. the panache. It's the panache of it all. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> um. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah. So we were like down The cinematography. There. Cinematography here. They're always like, it's always like grad students who are like doing like, they're mostly like psychology or philosophy grad students. Don't know if you're a philosophy grad, but like more power to you. And um, they're always like very like anemic looking and like these kind of like, I don't know. So my friend and I were like talking to one of them about like something. So we had to do like a research project or something. And he was like, yeah. And, and she said something about my laptop being stolen. He was like, yeah, you better watch out because like someone stole the Keurig maker from the philosophy department. And I was like, Keurig maker, Keurig maker. I was like, oh my gosh, that guy had a Keurig maker. I think he took my laptop. And so I went to the uh, the the well-established, noble, well-decorated uh, UEH police <laughs> who were all over many crimes. Alabama's finest. <laughs> the finest to offer. Um, and, and they were very... Um, very into the case, one might say. You might think it was one of the most interesting that had crossed their desks thus far, which maybe it was. And they were like, <laughs> do you want to prosecute? And I was like, well, not really. I mean, it's kind of on my laptop back. And they're like, we're going to look into this. And then they called me back to come back <laughs> the next day. And they're like, we think we know who it is. This guy's been causing all kind of trouble on campus and like smoking pot on campus. And like, we raided his. Oh, and then they were like, oh, no, someone at UAH smoked pot. What are <laughs> I don't know. And then, wow. And then mind equals blown. <laughs> they um I got pulled over one time on the way out of class and I was like, oh no, like someone's on a power trip. I wasn't even speeding. And the guy who got out was like, We have your laptop. And I was like, what? And he was like, We raided that guy's apartment and your laptop was in there. He didn't even touch it. Like, we got it back for you. And I was like, Thank you so much. Then I was like, well, how'd you know, like, where I was going to be? And they were like, well, we looked up your student records and your student schedule and figured out which class you were coming from. Then we looked up what your car looked like. And so we found your car coming out of the building. And I was like, <laughs> well, where was all this scrutiny when people were stealing my laptop? I mean, they did get it back. But it was just such a coincidence that we happened to talk to that young man who was like the Keurig maker. And I was like, I think the guy had a Keurig maker under his poncho like didn't strike me as strange at the time but in retrospect kind of weird and i was like i think he took my laptop so anyway that's my story oh my gosh like how many things was he hiding under there that he stole just making the rounds sarah i think the time is ripe for you to write a dark academia in the vein of the secret history where it's this friend group that gets that slowly disintegrates, but not because they murdered someone and covered it up, because they stole a Keurig. <laughs> I think that's amazing. I think that is um. You know that little like weird cemetery behind the liberal arts building? They went and like buried the Keurig maker in there. Yeah. <laughs> and they just are you know slowly become eaten alive with guilt, each in their own separate ways. Yes. And um, you know their lives fall apart. <laughs> I think that's like equally um, serious as murdering someone. Pretty much, pretty much. That's amazing. Oh. Um, the Keurig history. I don't know. Let me grab my, my quarter. <laughs> yes. 
if we were Keurigs. Um, so, okay. Oh, man. I, I, I wish I had a good story for this. I'm trying to think. Like, I feel like there are a lot of, like, weird coincidences with, like, me and John Mark meeting. Aww. That's sweet. And, like... Because, <laughs> I, like, I was a Spanish major. Um, like, he grew up in Ecuador. And mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of like, weird things like that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is a good coincidence or not, but a lot of people thought that we were siblings. Oh, gosh. That's very secret um, history. Very secret history. Um... <laughs> Because apparently, like, apparently we look some we look alike. Um, <laughs> and when we met, like, everyone thought that we were siblings. I knew, like, John Mark's dad was from Pennsylvania and our mom was from Pennsylvania. And there was a moment where I was like, okay, we need to check and make sure that we're not second cousins or something. And to my knowledge, we're not. Um... And, but anyway, and, like, our family doesn't have Mennonite background, and they're from, like, West Pennsylvania, and his are from East Pennsylvania, Amish County, Lancaster County, stuff like that. And, um, I know we were, like, the, I know Pap always talks about, like, the Saxon Germans, and then we were in Transylvania and stuff like that before we came to the U.S. And John Mark's family were, like, Swiss German, so it was, like, a different part of Europe. Oh, okay. Well, that's Um, really good. But there was a moment there when I was like, okay, before this goes any further, let's just see, find out what we're working with here. Because he looks just like David Swainey, too, which is, and their mannerisms are so. He strange. does. He does. Yeah. 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 And I, I do think that we look similar. You do. Um, yeah. But, and, you know, to some extent, everyone's related. But if we are related, it's far enough back that I'm okay with it, especially at this point. I mean. Yeah. But anywho, what I thought we could do for this episode is uh, is kind of go in a little bit of reverse order of how we typically do these episodes. Because it is a read list instead in that we have a recommendation and we have some books that we thought were crap. Um, but I thought we'd start by talking about the good book first. Not the book that is good, not the, not the good book, not the Bible. <laughs> um, <laughs> because the biggest problem with all the other books that we'll mention is just how how blatantly they ripped the secret history off. Um, so I think it makes sense to start with that. Um, so, secret history. We read it. We love it. It's definitely in my top ten. I can't believe I had never read it before. Because it's like everything. Um, do you want to give like a kind of a summary? Yes. Of what it's about? Um- so this was the second Donna Tartt book I'd read. I read The Goldfinch and I read this one. And I honestly, I knew it was something in a school, but I thought it was something to do with like a more like a Freemason, like secret society. I thought it was going to be very dry. I, I wasn't expecting to really like it. I, Kelly, I devoured it. I read it all in one night. Couldn't put it down. Um, so at the beginning of this story, we have a, um, a student named Richard who becomes apparent throughout the book he um doesn't have a great relationship with his family i think forgive me if i'm wrong i might be mixing up i think he's the only child and his parents sound his dad sounds pretty Mm -hmm. abusive emotionally distant his mom sounds not that great he sounds like he grew up being kind of a lonely kid and not really forming his own identity and i think due to those reasons he kind of falls in with this group so when he first goes to this college i think he's studying like writing or um something like he has he was doing pre-med pre-med thank you my bad pre-med yes 
And he learns about this program um, that is accredited by the school, but it's basically all taught by one teacher. And it is about the uh, studying the Greek uh, classics. And much the same as when Bella Swan was in the cafeteria and the Collins entered her life, this group of beautiful, attractive, interesting, edgy students enters his life. Uh, there's twins, uh, Camilla and Charlie. There's um, Bunny and Henry, who are also friends, and then Francis. And he gets kind of swept up in this by getting invited to lunch by Bunny um, and ends up that Bunny kind of lied about paying for lunch and having money to pay for lunch, and Henry come and bails them out, which kind of sets up this dynamic we can talk about later in the book, but kind of this like savior dynamic with, with Henry and um, Richard. Um, sorry, I feel like that took me, I, I, to, to sum up, basically, there is a murder. <laughs> um, <laughs> so spoilers, um, the students, it comes out, tell Richard about they were trying to do this ritual called a Bacchanal, I think, is that correct? Yeah, actually, I'll pause it right there. This this whole episode is going to have spoilers because okay. there's no way to talk about these books without giving away the spoilers. Yeah. Um, Secret History has been around since 1992, so I don't feel bad. But um, yeah, sorry. It, it, there's just no way to avoid it. <laughs> um, and Camilla tells Richard about how they did this ritual, and they were all basically doing a lot of hallucinogenic drugs. And when they came to realize what was going on, there was a mauled person in the woods with them, and they assumed that they had killed them while under the effects of the Bacchanal. And um, Bunny was not with them, actually, because he was not invited. Um, But he becomes suspicious of what happened, and eventually they push Bunny off a cliff and kill him to make him not talk about it. And Richard is complicit in that and keeps their secret. And the story is kind of like about the guilt and secrecy and presumptuousness of the students as one by one, you realize they're not all quite who you thought they were. So that's kind of what it's about. And there's a lot more that we are going to talk about as far as themes and characters. But um, yeah, it um, it was very powerful. It was hard to put down. Oh, I mean, the writing is so good. And it's like, this is like the OG Dark Academia book. And, you know, and obviously there, I was, it's interesting because I was reading a little bit about it and pretty much everyone that has written about this is like, they consider that the OG Dark Academia in the modern sense. Um, Because obviously there's, you know, there's things, um, older books that are about like uh, secret, associations and you know things that are set in colleges and so on and so forth but like they were like kind of um that was kind of the original like the template for um that whole kind of aesthetic movement for lack of a better term um and as we'll see yes it was definitely the template for a lot of books um and yeah i so to start us off i love Dark Academia. I and I loved it before I even knew that it was called Dark Dark Academia or that it was a thing, um, <laughs> because it was um, a few years ago. One of my friends who teaches high school, 
she was like, yeah, my students were just going on and on about dark academia. And, and I was just like, what the heck is this? Mm-hmm. And so she went to Pinterest and Googled it. And as she put it, she was like, oh, it's just Kelly. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> she was like, she was just kind of like, what is, what the heck is dark academia? And she was like, oh, okay, I get it now. It's Kelly. <laughs> um, that's true. And then John Mark, unfortunately, learned about this other aesthetic called chaotic academia. Oh, no. Which just means academia with it, when everything's a huge mess. And he was like, like oh, office. that's me. I'm chaotic academia. It's a vibe. And I was like, I, I don't think it's a vibe we should strive for in our house, to be honest. Um, yes. But, yeah, I... I I knew, like, I, I don't know. I, I love that aesthetic. Um, and I love, like, even before I discovered this book, um, and I read things that were, now that I, now I see now much lesser imitations. Um, but it was, like, anything that's, like, having to do with the museum or a library or, like, a secret archive and, like, you know, especially the secret aspect of it. Um, or like the old books or anything that's at Oxford or like any kind of like, um, (laughs) you know, elite um, humanities uh, studying old texts. And (laughs) Um, so what do you, what do you feel about, about dark academia? Do you like it? It, It's not really my genre. Um, Some books I've read before that were dark academic for sure was um, before I read secret history was If We're Villains, which we're going to talk about later. I read that like a year ago, I think. And then I read Fable, which I really didn't like. And that was also Dark Academia. Um, I mean, I'm a sucker for uh, anything set on a college campus in general. And I like autumn autumnal vibes. Like it's not like individually, Mm -hmm. I like the different pieces of it. It's just not like an aesthetic that I decorate in or kind of hedge my style to it's it's good it's not like me um but i i definitely like the genre as far as reading books about it um Mm -hmm. yeah i feel like in terms of my personal aesthetic um there's like the two sides of the coin and the one side is dark academia and the other side is cottagecore yes i could totally see that so it's like it's either things that are like incredibly cute and wholesome and pure or it's these sort of like mysterious, yeah. <laughs> like, um, so, but I, you know, I love. Um, I, I, well, we'll get we'll get into it because I, 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 um, as we talk more about this book specifically, we'll we'll talk more about things that I really like in it. Um, so what I basically did um, is on this document. Um, I just really went deeply into it and kind of my thesis statement for this episode, (laughs) you might say, um, is that to me, the biggest theme of the secret history is the danger of pursuing the aesthetics of friendship, wisdom, and transcendence instead of the actual reality of those things. That's, that's what was at the heart of the book to me was it was about aesthetics over reality and the, the shallowness and the hollowness of that. Um, and so I kind of made, um, I, <laughs> I made this very, um, English literature 101 type of out <laughs> of table here, um, where I kind of broke it down into there's three aesthetics that are sought by the gang that they think are virtues, but they're not. 
Um, and it's friendship, wisdom, and transcendence. Mm -hmm. So for the first one, um, and Sarah, you might could help me think of some more things to kind of fill this in, but um, and and for lack of a better term, I just started calling them the gang. I, the book never calls them that, and they would probably hate being that called that. Sound like a Scooby um, gang. I know. <laughs> so we can call them something else. Henry's <laughs> like, I would have gotten away with that murder too if it wasn't for these meddling kids. <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't for this meddling sense of guilt. <laughs> um, do we want to call them the gang, or do we want to call them something else? We got to call them something. No, that's fine. <laughs> Okay. Um, and the fact that they would hate being called the gang is part of why I want to call them the gang. That's amazing. Yes. Um, so they're pursuing friendship. So they want um, kind of what they think they're doing or what they're wanting to do. Close companionship, loyalty, family, and friends who are on the level of family, an elite inner circle based on merit, a common understanding and frame of reference, mm -hmm. and a father figure in Julian. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of what they think that they're having. And then I've kind of made some notes of how this actually, this actually plays out in the book. Um, so an exclusive clique that isolated its members unhealthily. Um, because there's like, there's, I don't, I think if you like wa wanting to have this close inner circle of friendships where you have a common frame of reference and you have like things that you share, I think that's a beautiful thing and that's great. But it you should you should be able to interact with people outside of that social circle without just thinking that they're all idiots. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, totally. Um so an exclusive clique that isolated its members. Um, and then this is a huge one for me, is when you look at like um who was allowed into this family and who was allowed into this inner circle. Um, this bothered me from the first time that I saw Bunny in the book. It's like why is Bunny there? Why is he a part of this? He what can he barely write. Like, yeah. What is he doing? And, you know, it, it bothered me for a long time. I was like, why? Like, what? Why is Bunny a part of this? And so I kind of why was like, Bunny? well, maybe it's his it's his aesthetic. It's his personality type or it's his personal charisma. Because the thing is that the obvious answer would be like, oh, well, you know, he was rich and white and whatever he is white but he's not rich his whole family is fake rich yeah and um the other kids know it like the other students know that um and so to me it just showed the shallowness of the group that um they supposedly this is a group of people who are so dedicated to the classics and to ancient greek and um having this deep understanding of it and then they have just this like penniless guy who bumps money off of everyone and can barely even read <laughs> like i wrote um her bunny is fake rich petty small-minded dumb as a box of rocks and barely <laughs> literate and the, they cover for him at their own expense such as richard or henry paying for everything yeah and so times. it's just like yeah um so it's like oh you're supposedly this elite circle based on merit but you're clearly not because what's Bunny doing in there? And <laughs> like, he uh, even, I feel like even before he was trying to antagonize them about the suspected murder, he used a lot of really offensive language toward like Francis and Camila about like. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, like he's super sexist. He's, uh, has, says a bunch of gay slurs. Um, he deliberately tries to antagonize that waiter in the first scene where you see him that he, yes. um, assumes the waiter to be gay and he's trying to, um, get a rise out of him and says all these um offensive things to him and um 
yeah, he's like really sexist to his girlfriend. And um, I for, I think it was Henry. At one point he called Henry a Nazi and a Jew. <laughs> so, um, so he's just like this horrible <laughs> person. And I, I, just, I don't really know what he meant by that. <laughs> he's such a dummy. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, he's he, he's just terrible. <laughs> um, and then, yeah. So anyway, so again, looking for this family friendship. Um, some other things that happened. The um, so the the gang, rather than being like a a loving, welcoming family, they just pulled Richard into their toxicity more. And I think you can you can argue, um, did they suck him into their toxicity, or did he throw himself into it? Mm. Um, I think that's an interesting question, but um, also the gang excommunicating and executing, like literally executing those who do not support it, which obviously we see with Bunny. Mm-hmm. And um, I think you can make a really strong argument that uh, Henry was going for Charles next, and oh, like that's re- that's how I thought this book was going to end. The way that it ended really surprised me because I literally thought Henry was going to pick them off one by one. Yeah, I thought it would was come down be Charles, to just Henry and Julian. Richard. Then Francis, then mm-hmm. Richard at the very end, and Camilla in there. Somewhere. Yeah, I I thought Julian was gonna be gone for sure. Yeah. So yeah, I thought it was just, I thought it was gonna like come down to um to Henry and Julian, or I mean Henry and Richard me in too. the end. Me too. Um, but it's really surprising the way it ended. But um, anyway, and then there's also we see a lot of like um abusive or sketchy relationship dynamics that happen in this group obviously like obviously the twins which like so much to say about that uh, i did not see that coming obviously a lot of problems there um and then with francis like he's he can be very pushy sexually um with people and he like not a great sense of boundaries and all that kind of stuff um and then there's like i you do, we don't really know, and I don't think we're supposed to know exactly what the nature of Henry and Camilla's relationship was, but he seems to have this weird um, oh. protectiveness over her, or like he, like when he, when he, when Charles is becoming what they consider dangerous to Camilla, he like takes Camilla and gets her a hotel room. It's just kind of weird. There's it kind of something weird there. Really odd. To me, like almost like a um, a patriarchal yeah uh, relationship. It's kind of gross. Um, and then of course, like there's that weird scene when Richard saw Henry and Julian in the hallway. Okay, I didn't and, remember that um, at all. I don't remember that at all. Yeah, it's just like one. It's really short and it's really ambiguous. And there's like this this one little weird scene where, um. Richard sees them in the hallway and Henry like kisses Julian on the cheek or something like that. Oh wow, I don't remember. That. Um and Julian is like the professor. Yeah. And so it's kind of like but we never really know what that was about. Right. But it's like a little bit sus, kind of weird. Maybe it was supposed um, to be a I thought okay, maybe it was supposed to be like a a Judas and Jesus thing, or maybe it really was a creepy sexual thing. Yeah, it may not have been creepy. It may have just been I, I don't know. It's hard yeah, for that not to be creepy. I'm sure that was. I just um, don't remember it, but I, I believe you. It's just like one little moment, yeah. and Richard's kind of like, "What the heck was that?" And <laughs> and it's there's a lot, but there's a lot of things like that in the group where it's kind of ambiguous and yeah, you know. But but um, it's clear that like whether or not the 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 overall dynamic of the group was very isolated, insular, and abusive. Yes. 
hard agree. And we there's some things we'll never know did certain abuses happen or not, but the the possibility was there. Yeah. For it to happen. Because it's this weird like it wasn't even an, a department as much as it was like this weird little section where they only took classes with Julian. Um there was no accountability. There was nobody like checking up on that situation. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it was just all very sketchy. Yeah. So, and then in the third column here, I was like, okay, so we saw the aesthetic they thought they were pursuing. We saw what it actually turned out to be. And then if they, if they really had, rather than pursuing like the aesthetics of friendship and the aesthetics of loyalty, um, what would a true example of those values be? Right. Mm-hmm. And so one I said was loyalty tempered by accountability. So we have like, um, especially with the murder and covering it up, it's kind of this misguided loyalty where there's no accountability in the mix. There's no honesty in the mix. And so loyalty for them came to mean not telling anyone about the murders, mm-hmm. but true, a true loyalty that was tempered by accountability. Like that would have been a, a real value where they're yeah. like, you know, I'm going to be loyal to to you, but not to the extent that I let you literally get away with murder. Right. Right. Like we need to tell someone or um, figure this out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and then a true true friendship value would be um, close friendships within the gang without despising Judy Poovey and the <laughs> rest of the students. <laughs> I loved her. <laughs> Which, like, yeah, I mean, it's like, and it's, it's one of the things that really got me in the book was how jarring it is when you go outside of the small, like, outside of the gang and Richard hang- interacts with any other student who's, like, still in the modern world. <laughs> and, yes. like, just yes. the, the contrast of that. Uh-huh. Um behaving like a normal student. and you know like i was saying like it's it's great to have a close inner circle of friends that you have a lot in common with mm-hmm. but you need to be able to hang out with other people who are different from you mm-hmm. and who challenge your worldview instead of like an echo chamber you yes, know totally um and then also like um so one of the passages that really made me laugh was when we had um whatever their name was judd and frank or something oh, um the two Randy party guys yeah, Chan and Ron John want to call them that. Um, but they Bunny wanted to have a beer blast in Bunny's memory, which the way that Donna Tart wrote that was hilarious. Um, but it really got me thinking, because um, it was kind of put in, you know, kind of put in there by Richard to show, I think, the contrast between, oh, you know, these like uh, kind of dumb frat boys throwing a beer blast for Bunny versus like the elite. Um, higher life that bunny was supposedly leading and it's like the the central event of this book um you know they make it sound like this this lofty thing that happened where you know they were out in the woods and they were eating the nectar of the gods and they were like communing with uh dionysus and all this stuff and it's like they were literally you guys literally went in the woods did a bunch of drugs had sex and accidentally killed someone like that's or not how is that any different from the frat boys? <laughs> yes, exactly. No, I mean, yeah, their lifestyle choices were were no different than yeah, one hundred percent. That's a good, a very good point. I really like that. Yeah, and you know, so I think that um, a true friendship would be valuing the closeness that you have and the commonalities that you have with that group without thinking that makes you the center of the world. Um, so that was kind of what I got in the book on the theme of friendship. Did you have any more thoughts on that? 
Um, no, I think, um, no, I, I sorry, I'm coming right back. Um, I agree with you that, um, I kind of feel like Richard was like the case study for everyone in the group in the sense that like all these people, he, like he really, he was just a little bit naive where each character he really thought was like his, his buddy is going to be his person. And each of them like monumentally, I feel like kind of screwed him over. Like when Bunny invited him out and didn't pay for the food. And then Henry, he thought was like his savior mm-hmm. that time. He multiple times, but like when he was like living in that hippie shack and he was like, Oh, like Henry's going to take care of me. And then Henry probably was plotting how to kill him and everything with Camille and Charlie and Francis. And um, so I agree that he was just like looking for something from people that he was never going to find, but also that he wasn't really capable of giving, like he wasn't really the perfect friend either. Um, Cause just so, cause he went along yeah. with what they wanted. Uh, it doesn't mean that he was being a good friend. So. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, so the second aesthetic in my mind is wisdom. And I characterize this as pursuit of knowledge and understanding academic integrity, countercultural dedication to classics, and philosophy in its original meaning, the love of wisdom. That's what they were pursuing the aesthetic of. That's what they liked the idea of. That's what they thought of themselves as being dedicated to. And what did we really see? Well, we saw Julian's weird belief that having more than one teacher will confuse a young mind. And this is something that Julian says pretty early on. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, no, it's it's better to like just have one teacher because if you have all these million different teachers in college, it will just confuse you. And it's better to like know one book and know it really in depth than to know a little about a lot of books and subjects, um, which I really disagree with. Like that's just like a, just a recipe for like abusiveness and weirdness. And, yeah. um, you know, I really think part of the benefit of going to college is like you learn about different viewpoints and you learn from a lot of different people. And um, to say to say like, oh, you should only have one teacher so you don't get confused. It's like, well, that one teacher is not going to be right about everything. Yeah. So you should have a variety of teachers and then try to take the best from all of them. So it's just like this very weird pedagogy um, that Julian has. <laughs> and, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, and so then with the students, um, and some of this is Julian's fault, and some of this is was clearly going on before they came to college, but um, so any education that's not from the classics in these students is ignored to the point that Henry literally doesn't know that the moon landing happened. Um, <laughs> and part of, me, part of me is like, I think that Henry did know, and he was sort of just kind of being deliberately obtuse about it because he liked the idea of being of not knowing the moon landing i was like of course he knew it but it's the solar system but yeah i know it reminded me of sherlock round and round and at one point at one point it can it compares henry to mycroft holmes oh it did yeah henry if you remember that yeah it was great so um and then i all something else I, i also noticed like the gang does not have any sense of vocation or calling Right. So they have this like yeah. dedication to an obsession with the classics, but they don't have any sense that all, all this, you know, higher wisdom and whatnot that they're gaining, they don't have a sense that, that they're obligated to do anything with that or to serve anyone with that. Like, yeah, they they don't even feel like they should share that information with anyone. Yeah. Like they just want to keep it within themselves. Um, it's kind of like an extremely unhealthy five yeah. dynamic Yeah, where the fives um 
besetting sin or whatever is like greed where they just want to get all this knowledge and keep it and hoard it mm-hmm. um but they don't have a sense of like well how will studying the classics make me a better person how will it benefit humanity how will it you know make me into someone who's better able to produce something good in this world yeah kind of thing right um and then they also have a toxic narrow environment where prejudices and a sense of superiority can easily fester the gang practically considers themselves ubermensch. What is that? Um, so that's like the master race. Oh, that's what okay. the Nazis called the, um, you know, the, the Aryans or whatever. Where the, so it's like they, they, and I'm sure they wouldn't put it that way. Um, but they basically do consider themselves kind of above ordinary people. Um, and, you know, where in my mind, education and learning is supposed to make you more aware of the world around you. Yeah. And um, more more aware that there's lots of different cultures and ways to think about something and opinions and um, values and whatnot. Um, their education just made them, like, more and more narrow-minded. Can to I the ask point you a that question? Yeah, go ahead. Did you know people like this in college? No, I didn't. And thank God that I didn't because I would probably be going over the cliff. This kind of reminds me of some people I knew in college. Um, It was probably my junior year when I was switching from, when I changed from nursing to pre-law. There was this group of old, uh, older they're like 24 they were like like they're like older cooler students or whatever ancient well at the time you know it was like like they were like very cool like and they were doing I think they were studying like philosophy or poli sci or something like that and I kind I didn't get caught up with them like this but I very much like kind of hero worship them and like followed them around and thought they were really cool but um also just like very insular in their approach to education that it was just kind of like this um kind of like scoffing at other disciplines or like kind of like being like all like buddy buddy with certain professors and kind of like the way they approached it. It was very interesting. It kind of reminded me of this a little bit. Yeah. That's so interesting because like I said, I, I didn't really know anyone like that. And I would have, I I'm glad in a way that I didn't because I, I would have, I would have drunk the Kool-Aid so hard. (laughs) um, No, and this is kind of what I was mentioning earlier when you were bringing up um, the liberal arts building because like, you know, and and we went to a state school and it wasn't like this, you know, elite um, private liberal arts New England school or whatever. But um, (laughs) our, my experience at least of being in a humanities discipline, it was not like these like, interesting deep hot people going around in old-fashioned capes it was like it was more of an experience of like okay you said you were going to be here at 10 a.m to work on this group project and you completely ghosted me and now i have to do the whole project by myself and <laughs> i'm like no offense yeah i mean maybe um, i've like romanticized it looking back but i definitely feel like there was that group and there was like a guy it was more like the beat it was like the it was like this peop- this group of people, if you ordered them from Wish, you know what I mean? <laughs> and it was like, there was one guy who was like, I don't I think he was, I don't think he was from Russia, but he was studying Russian and he was very cynical and he 
it's kind of like how I imagine like Francis to look like. And he was also like older, yeah. kind of had a big crush on him. And he was like a little bit strange, but I had a group project with him and one other guy that was like from that group. And it was, it reminds me of this, but again, like if you ordered them from Wish and they live in Alabama. So like, I'm not saying it was like equitable. I'm just saying like, I've seen this dynamic, but like much less like pretentiously. I agree with you. Like, I wish I could like, had like one day to be in a little like New England liberal arts school like this and, and like see like, cause I'm sure people are like, really pretentious I can't imagine yeah and and what I would say one of the things that annoys me in this world more than anything else is people who are pseudo intellectual (laughs) Um, and people who people who well listen if someone is not super big on academics and they're honest about it that's totally fine but it's I can't stand people that have a pretension to being academic, but they don't know what they're talking about. <gasps> That's what irritates me is people that lie about it. And they try people that try to like grift their way into seeming smarter or deeper, more interesting than they actually are. But the thing is, like when I was 18 and a freshman, I probably wasn't have been able to discern what was real and what was fake yeah. in that way. And like I mean, I just, I can't, I can't even express how much, if I had met a group of people like this, who walked around with, like, billowing capes, and um, quoted the Greek classics, and, and argued about declensions in Greek, and um, went and stayed at this beautiful country, I mean... Kelly, if there's nothing had, I wouldn't have done. If that group had been at UAH, <laughs> they would have just been like a D&D group or something. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. The best you're going to get at UAH is, yeah, like a weird D&D group. And they go spend the weekend in like one of their mom's basements <laughs> in Gunnersville. Or maybe they go to like Gunnersville or something. But no, I mean, if I had met a group like that, I would have done anything to be a part of it. Yeah. Um. So probably good that I didn't, um, but um, because I am a pretentious snob. <laughs> no, you're not. And well, sometimes I, I, I would let, let me put it this way: I would have gone over the cliff. That's all I have. That was leave it at that. That's where I would have been headed. Went over the cliff, though. <laughs> I know, but if I if I had if I had to keep a, a secret about a murder for a group like that, I wouldn't be able to emotionally handle it. I would be like falling apart. Yeah. And so they would be like, oh, we have to kill Kelly because she can't keep our secret. So. <laughs> um, so um, that kind of answers a question I was going to ask you, which we, I'm sorry to interrupt your outline, but like why Richard, I, I kind of get what I, I, that. I think that kind of answered the question of like, why do you think he wanted to be in the group so badly? But why do you think he was so okay with being complicit in Buddy's murder when he and Bunny were friends and he didn't have to be there for that. Why didn't he just go to Well, court? yeah, because because that group was his whole family and identity. Yeah. Because, like, he hated his family. He yeah. hated his hometown. He hated where he came from. He hated everyone else in the dorm. He didn't... He felt... Um, just and and where he came from, it does sound like it was pretty lame, like and pretty miserable. His dad sounds pretty mean. Um, yeah, and his dad was horrible. Yeah. And um, you know, like he, 
that group was everything he'd ever wanted. And he had made his whole life and his whole identity about fitting in with them. Mm-hmm. And he was just in too deep. Yeah. And, and especially at that age, you know, he was so young. Yeah. Like, yeah. and he made Julian a father figure. He made them all his like sibling figures. Like yeah. he just threw his whole self into that group. And um, there was no going back. I thought it was interesting when he found out they almost left the country together because of the murder. His first reaction wasn't, mm. what the heck? It was, well, why wouldn't you take me with you? Like, how could you go without yeah. me? And I think that was really telling about where his mind was. It's really heartbreaking. Um, but I don't relate to that at all. Not a bit, I'm sure. Not a, not even a little bit. <laughs> I'm nothing in common with Richard Payton. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt your outline. My bad. Oh, no. No, it's all good. Um, but yeah, if we to get back to that, um Okay, where'd he go? Okay, so so wisdom, so they're kind of pursuing this veneer of wisdom. Um and what what could true wisdom in this group have really looked like? Well, um I would say they could still do a classics major and they could still have the classics program but it should be a more well-rounded degree program like um aka something that would pass sacks <laughs> I was like, you have to take general education classes <laughs> anyway i don't know maybe this college wasn't accredited maybe they didn't have that in the 80s i don't know but um it also could have looked like everyone in the gang actually graduating because richard's the only one they graduated um oh, yeah. and actually pursuing employment in their field and richard's the only one that did that yeah which i think is very telling yeah um we also could have seen an integration of the gang julian and the classics program into normal university academics and life instead of being a closed circle and also diversity of knowledge and viewpoints being valued instead of like just this is the only way to think about it is what julian directs you to think yeah um so then the third and final value that I saw them uh, wanting to pursue was transcendence. And I know that's kind of a vague thing, but I was defining that as personal and creative integrity, transcendence of the self to a higher plane of existence. So in the one, the really the only one class session that's described in detail, really, really the only time we hear Julian talk is he talks a lot about, if you remember, um, mankind's desire to escape the self and mm-hmm. to like break free of the self and to get onto this higher plane um, where it's almost like yourself and your sense of identity is holding you back from like, you know, getting into this higher mode of existence where you're not limited by um, your mortal being or whatever. Um, it would also look like it's also, I also define it as a commitment to pursuing a higher truth, even at the cost of personal sacrifice and a determination to take the classics seriously and follow their belief system to its furthest extent. So where I saw this going wrong in the game um, was, so rather, rather than, so, so I would say that the gang and everyone in it, they did transcend themselves and they did lose themselves, but mm-hmm. in the worst way possible mm-hmm. because there was a complete breakdown of the group and personal integrity and group integrity. So they were killing, they were lying, they were killing them to color up, cover up the lies. They were lying to cover up the killing. <laughs> it was like, you know, this just complete disintegration. Yes. Um, 
And everyone, so, and also, like, everybody was just lying about everything. Like, Richard was lying about misrepresenting his background. Bunny was lying about everything. Um, people weren't being honest about the relationships they had. Like, it was just, there was, in this group that was supposedly so tight-knit and so unified, it was, like, nothing but lies and secrets about everything. Um, and then Charles, especially through just becoming really alcoholic, he lost his sense of self yeah, through that. Yeah, it was sad. Um, and then Richard, um, I think he didn't even have a sense of self to lose. And we talked about this when I saw you in Huntsville, where that that time that he like almost lets himself freeze to death in the random hippie's attic. Um, like no autonomy. It's almost like, yeah, it's like he, he had, yeah, he had no sense of autonomy. He had no sense of self-preservation or he had no, almost no sense that he could take care of himself and could like improve yeah. his circumstances. Uh-huh. So because he had very little sense of self to begin with, and he had fully attached a sense of self to the gang when they all went home for Christmas, it was just like, he couldn't function. Um, and then they also were, a, was it with this whole back and all, but it's back and all right that they were trying to do <laughs> in the woods. That was also part of this attempt to, have a spiritual experience, have an otherworldly experience or kind of transcend to this higher mystical plane in some way. Um, but instead of, instead of becoming this experience that, that made them more spiritual or more, more um, in tune with the classics or whatever it was they were trying to do, <laughs> um, it made them worse people. It made them kill and lie and cheat and self-destruct and all of this. Yeah. So it's almost like it did the opposite. It didn't take them up to a higher plane. It put them down into a lower one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Julian. So it was interesting. Cause another where I thought this story was going was that Julian was going to end up being a total creeper. Like, mm. and I thought it was, I thought Julian was going to be a lot more evil mm. where at the end, it wasn't that he was evil as much as that he was just useless and he just kind of fades away. And he's is, he was never really, like, the dark mastermind of the group. Like, there was some unhealthy dynamics going on there. But he just kind of, like, runs away at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, and there's, he was like, like, you know, clockwork. that sentence about... He was kind of like a clockwork yeah. god that became, like, scared of what he created, almost, said Henry. Uh, he is like that, yeah. He can't even... He doesn't even have the integrity to face up to this monster that he created. Yeah. You know, and he's kind of like Frankenstein, Dr. Frankenstein in the book where um, Dr. Frankenstein creates this horrible monster that's going around killing people. And he just like runs away to the, to upper, to the Hebrides. I'm sure I'm saying it wrong. Oh wait, the He just like runs away to these like, yeah, he just like runs away to these remote islands in Scotland and just like hides. Honestly, kill him. Yeah, well, but it's like he should be taking responsibility for like yes. this horrible thing that he loosed on the world. No, I agree. Um, and then Henry, of course, um, he loses himself in the ultimate sense. Mm-hmm. Um, by trigger warning, but he shoots himself. Um, and then also the the twins. Um, I was thinking about them and how they're. They're so unable to differentiate themselves from each other mm. to the point that like incest was literally happening or quite likely happening. Yeah. Because they just, it was like they had so little sense of boundaries and so little s- sense of individual autonomy. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's good. Um, so what could this have looked like in a healthy way or in a good way or in like a way that was true values and not just aesthetics of transcendence? 
what could have been honesty with each other about their background, circumstances, relationships, and desires. And it could have also been um, the gang going straight to the police the night of the Bacchanal, which the the theory that I read um, on Reddit, <laughs> unfortunately, um, <coughs> about this was what I just, I, I think there's a lot of merit to this theory, which is that um, <coughs> they never killed that guy. Oh, they I never killed that guy. I 100% so the, think that's true. Yeah. And the theory is like, it was some kind of mountain lion or some kind of wild, um, you know, wild cat or something. Yeah. Because there's a couple of times in the book where they mention like, oh, there used to be a lot of wild cats in this area. And, you know, he has like basically claw marks, you know, like things that the gang couldn't possibly have done with their bare hands. Yeah. Um, But they're so caught up in this idea that something transcendent and something supernatural happened. Mm -hmm. And I don't think anything supernatural happened at all. I don't I don't think they saw Dionysus or whatever it is they said that they did. Um, I think they just got high. You know, if they had just gone to the police that night, um, they might have been like, oh, this was clearly an animal attack and not your fault at all. And the whole tragedy would never have happened. So anyway, that's kind of how what I broke it down in terms of those values that I saw. Um, it's just like my, um, this is kind of what I was going to say to wrap the whole thing up, which is that in a book where that's so much about the danger of pursuing aesthetics over substance, I think it's kind of sadly ironic that we have all these like lesser dark academia themed books that have the aesthetics of the secret history, but not the substance of it. <laughs> they kind of, yeah, they kind of missed the point then, didn't they? Yeah, I know. I just think it's ironic. Um. So anyway, the next thing I had, Um. so it's, do you, do you remember the episode we did about the hero's journey and the 12 steps and all that? Yes, that was a good one. Mm-hmm. So I came up with the five steps of the secret history plot that is ripped off in these other books. Ooh, I love that. So the five five steps of the Dark Academia book. So number one, the insecure outsider enters an unfamiliar environment with an inner circle. And usually in these books specifically, it's an elite liberal arts college. <laughs> um... Step two, the admired inner circle admits the outsider, who initially enjoys the group's dynamic. Step three, the outsider realizes the inner circle's corruption. Step four, the outsider chooses to expose or embrace the corruption. And then step five is the aftermath of this decision. I think that's a really good breakdown of that. Um, so, I feel like I've been talking for forever. Um... Though that's what I had to say about the secret history. And then the rest of what I have to say is about the lesser books that ripped off the secret history. And then I have some random questions at the end. Um, so is there anything else that you wanted to say about the secret history? I mean, we I could talk about this book forever and we have talked about off a lot offline. I think that that really wrapped up what people need to know before we talk about the lesser modules, one of which I cannot wait to talk about. Um, but no, yeah, that was good. Hey guys, Kelly here. Uh, turned out this episode was quite long, so we decided to make it into part one and part two. Um, so this is the end of part one, and um, come back next week for part two when we'll talk about the lesser books that ripped off the secret history. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Bye.